0: You're on the Kiss My Art Show on Joy 94.9 with Amy, a very husky Amy this evening. Now, one of three things has happened to me. I've either turned into a man, offered up my throat as a refuge for a homeless frog... ...or caught a cold. But don't worry, you can't catch my cold through your speakers... ...so feel free to get up nice and close. And you know what? Instead of husky, I'm going to go for sexy tonight... ...and see how that works for me. Anyway, you're on the Kiss My Art show on Joy 94.9. The time is three minutes past your hour of nine. Thanks so much to the girls of Femme Fatale... ...for another fantastic show... Last Monday night, right here in Melbourne, we had the APRA Screen Music Awards, celebrating the achievements of Australian film and TV composers. This prompted me to take a look back at the history of film music, how it all began and how it has evolved over the last century. In tonight's episode of Kiss My Arts, we start right back at silent movies where a piano was literally wheeled out onto the stage and a poor old piano player tried to improvise music to what he saw on the big screen. We venture through the decades of the last century, looking at how film music has evolved to adapt to new audiences and new tastes, with the inclusion of jazz and rock music in the 60s, through to the use of synthesizers in the 80s and the use of electronics in the 90s and 2000s. We'll look at Max Steiner, Henry Mancini, George Gershwin... Aaron Copeland, Bill Haley and his Comets, of course John Williams, Radiohead's guitarist Johnny Greenwood, Hans Zimmer, Philip Glass and our very own Aussie composer Anthony Partos who has just won a string of awards at the APRA Screen Music Awards for 2012. So... Kick back, relax, fill up that glass and be whisked away to the wonderful world of film music for the next hour on Kiss My Arts. And you might also want to get out your chocolate stash and indulge because we're getting the hour started with music from one of my favourite little films, Chocolat. The music was written by female British composer Rachel Portman. This is a snippet called Three, Three Women, written by Rachel Portman for the film Chocolat. You're on Joy
1: 94.9. Joy 94.9.
0: You're on the Kiss My Art Show with Amy on Joy 94.9. That was a lovely little track from the film Chocolate by British female composer Rachel Portman. Before the invention of the talking picture, all movies were completely silent. The infusion of music into the film venue is speculated to have happened for many reasons. Music was already a commonplace element in the theatre, And it was brought over to films not only because of tradition, but to add a depth to the two-dimensional image that appeared on the screen. An added benefit was that it covered up the terrible noise that spewed over from the film projector, The majority of silent films were accompanied by anything from full orchestras to organists and piano players. Books of music were published to provide the accompanists with ideas for scene music, categorised by mood, event or element. Many of the films came with a suggestion list of what to play in which particular scenes. The film Birth of a Nation was the very first film to have a score composed specifically for it. It's a nineteen fifty silent, nineteen fifteen, sorry, silent film directed by D. W. Griffith, based on the novel and play *The Klansman*. The film was a huge commercial success, but it was also highly controversial owing to its portrayal of African-American men played by white actors in blackface who were presented as unintelligent and sexually aggressive towards white women. There were widespread protests against the film and it was banned in several cities. At the film's premiere, the director hired the entire Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra to play the score for the film. Nothing like this had been done before each major character in the film had a particular musical theme to be played by either an orchestra or a theatre organ. While the director chose musical themes for the characters, he allowed the actress Lillian Gish to choose her own theme, which was the theme used for her character, Elsie Stoneman. Later, that same melody was retitled The Perfect Song and was used as a theme song for the radio and television versions of The Amos and Andy Show. So let's take a listen to one of the very first pieces of music ever used in film. You're on Joy 94.9.
1: Joy 94.9.
0: Ah, so old-fashioned but quite lovely and nostalgic. That was the very first piece of music that was specifically composed for film and that's exactly what we're talking about tonight on Kiss My Arts. We are indeed talking about the history of film music, right back to silent films. And we're going to work our way forward right through to the recent um, APRA Screen Music Awards that were held right here in Melbourne just last week. So we've touched on silent films and we've just heard a piece um, that was basically the first piece of music that was specifically composed for film. During the 1930s and with the advent of talking pictures as opposed to the silent film, music once again established itself as a vital element in the film industry. At first, sound films followed the precedents set by their ancestors, using already written classical music, usually from the 19th century. But this practice soon gave way to the creation of original music, specifically composed for each individual film. Max Steiner wrote the first completely original piece of music or score for King Kong, in 1933. Let's take a listen to an excerpt from King Kong. And this uh, is a little excerpt called Sailor's Waiting by Max Steiner, the first completely original score written for film. You're on Joy
1: 94.9. Joy 94.9.
0: You're on the Kiss My Arts show with Amy on Joy 94.9 and yes indeed you are with a very husky Amy. I have had a little bit of a cold this week but I am going hopefully for the uh, the sexy sound tonight Uh, but don't worry you can't catch it through your speakers so get up nice and close huddle in because we're all about film music tonight on Kiss My Arts In the 1940s composers refined their expertise for writing original film music even more. One of the most important and influential composers of this decade was Bernard Herrmann, who broke many barriers and traditions to create music that greatly enhanced the films for which he wrote. He is probably most famous for this piece of music.
1: Joy 94.9
0: Oh, my God, decades later, and that piece of music is still incredibly scary. That was Bernard Herrmann, the composer, uh, with his very, very famous piece from the shower scene in Psycho, uh, which uh, was quite an early film, an Alfred Hitchcock film, and Bernard Herrmann and Alfred Hitchcock did do a lot of collaborating um, on film music uh, scores throughout the early part of the last century. Uh moving a little bit along in the historical timeline of film music, composer Aaron Copeland sought to define a uniquely American sound in his film music scores and turned to folk song for inspiration. Copeland's scores for the nineteen thirty eight film. Billy the Kid and the 1942 film Rodeo are examples of this typically American sounding film music, which was then used later in many American westerns. This style of music lived on through the decades and was also featured in the 1990s film City Slickers, starring Billy Crystal. A version of Copeland's piece, Copeland's piece, Hoedown, which we are about to hear in a second, was also famously used as the background theme for the beef. It's what's for dinner advertising campaign in the 1990s and also in The Simpsons episode, The Seemingly Never Ending Story. So let's take a listen to this typically American sounding music that was used in films during the 1940s. This is by Aaron Copland and it's called Hoedown. You're on
1: Joy. Joy 94.9.
0: You're on the Kiss My Art show with Amy. I can just imagine an uh, an old-school American Western movie to that music that we just listened to, which was uh, the film composer Aaron Copland with his uh, little piece called Hoedown. Uh, We are talking about film music tonight on Kiss My Arts. A more recent example of the use of this typically American-sounding music, which we just heard there in Aaron Copland's music, can be heard in Randy Newman's score for the 1984 film The Natural. Contemporary composers have opened up the focus on American folk song to include various types of world music. Elliot Goldenthal, for example, himself a student of Aaron Copland, uses Mexican folk traditions and Indigenous instruments in the 2002 film Frida. So let's check out some of the music from this film and how Goldenthal uses these Mexican folk instruments in his soundtrack. This uh, little track is called The Floating Bed and it's from from the 2002 film Frida. You're on Joy.
1: Joy 94.9
0: That was uh, composer Elliot Goldenthal with uh, some of his music from the 2002 film Frida using... uh, Mexican folk instruments and traditions to create that score. Up until the 1950s, film music had mostly been symphonic or orchestral, which I'm sure you have noticed in the music that we've listened to on Kiss My Arts so far. It's mostly been symphonic and orchestral music. However, in the 1950s, jazz opened up the industry of film music to a whole new world of possibilities. Although it had already been used for musicals and animated films or cartoons, it had never been used in mainstream films of the 1930s and 1940s. The use of jazz not only contemporized the sounds of movies, but fewer musicians were needed, thus making this part of the filmmaking process far less expensive. In edgy urban dramas, jazz exploded onto the soundtrack in scores such as A Streetcar Named Desire in 1951. The Man with the Golden Arm in 1955, Touch of Evil in 1958 and in numerous biopics about jazz artists such as Young Man with a Horn and Rhapsody in Blue. The George Gershwin composed jazz piece Rhapsody in Blue was used in the Woody Allen film Manhattan. And it was also used in the 1980s film Gremlins 2, believe it or not, and again in Fantasia 2000. It's got one of the most famous introductions of all time with its long upward clarinet, Glissando. This is uh, George Gershwin. See if you recognise this. It's Rhapsody in Blue.
1: Joy 94.9
0: You're on the Kiss My Art Show with Amy on Joy 94.9. The time is nearly half past the hour of nine. If you've just tuned in, I may sound a little different to normal and uh, that is because I do indeed have my husky sexy voice on tonight and also because I've had a little cold. So, uh... I am going for the, the sexy uh, the sexy vibes tonight. I hope they're coming across uh, tonight on Kiss My Arts. We're talking about film music. Now we've had a look at the silent film era. We've uh, we've sort of ventured through the nineteen thirties, the nineteen forties, and even into the nineteen fifties. <clears throat> so far. Up until that point, uh, mostly film music had been symphonic or orchestral, but we've just started to venture into film music that makes use of jazz. Before the break, we heard a very, very famous piece, "Rhapsody in Blue" by George Gershwin. It's got one of the most famous introductions that that very long a sweeping uh, clarinet glissando at the beginning, which was used in the opening of Woody Allen's film, Manhattan. Another composer who incorporated more jazzy elements into the film scores of this era was Henry Mancini. He wrote music for many classic films, including Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Pink Panther, Tom and Jerry, The Movie, Touch of Evil, and the television series Peter Gunn. Now, this is the very famous tune from that very show. This is Henry Mancini's music for Peter Gunn. You're on Joy 94.9.
1: Joy 94.9.
0: Of course, that was the very famous Peter Gunn theme, uh, written by film composer Henry Mancini. In the period following World War II, when most of the films were idealised with conventional portrayals of men and women, young people wanted new and exciting symbols of rebellion. Hollywood responded to audience demands. The late 1940s and 1950s saw the rise of the anti-hero with stars like James Dean, Marlon Brando and Marilyn Monroe. The introduction of rock and roll occurred simultaneously with these developments. The Blackboard Jungle was the very first major Hollywood film to use rock and roll on its soundtrack. How very scandalous of them. Rock and roll was initially limited to teen pics and used to target these younger audiences. The music in the film The Blackboard Jungle was provided by rock and roll group Bill Haley and his Comets with their musical hit Rock Around the Clock. So let's take a step back to the music used in films during the 1950s with this old-time classic here on Joy. One, two,
1: three, o'clock. Joy 94.9.
0: Uh, Bill Haley and his Comets with rock around the clock, which was uh, used in uh, films in the 1950s. How scandalous they'd gone from orchestral music to rock music. Now, rock and roll ultimately functioned as a pressure point on the classical Hollywood film score and was an important influence in a new type of scoring for film that would emerge in the 1960s, the compilation score. A compilation score is a background is background music used in a film that is put together from pre-existing music as opposed to an original score composed specifically for that film. It was usually made up of popular songs of the time. We still use this in films today, although we now generally use a combination of existing music as well as original music composed specifically for the film. In the 1940s and 1950s, modernist musical techniques such as extreme dissonance, atonality, which means no harmony whatsoever, striking rhythms and unconventional or very interesting instrumentation made their way into Hollywood film scores such as in the film Spellbound and The Lost Weekend, both in 1945, and both making use of the theremin, which was one of the first electronic instruments. The cutting edge of this kind of experimental modernism can be heard in Rosenman's score for the film The Cobweb in 1955. Initially electronic instruments were limited to horror films and science fiction or used for specific psychological elements in films such as in dream sequences but it did move into the mainstream with Giorgio Moroder's uh, music for Midnight Express in 1978 and also in Vangelis's score for Blade Runner in 1982. So let's take a look at this very experimental phase of film music during the 1960s and 70s. This is Moroder's score for the 1978 film Midnight Express. You're on Joy
1: 94.9. Joy 94.9.
0: Yes, indeed, a very experimental stage of uh, of film composing during the 60s and 70s. I don't know about that one. Interesting. Uh, Has anyone actually seen Midnight Express, 1978 film? Uh, Maybe they remember that score. Incredibly, incredibly uh, experimental and interesting. If you're listening to Kiss My Arts tonight and uh, you're enjoying the show and you'd like to say something, uh, feel free to text in on 0427JOY949. We'd always love to hear your opinion on what we're talking about. In the late 20th century, Philip Glass brought minimalism out of the world of art music and into the film score. Now, minimalism is characterised by repetitive musical figures, and Glass's hypnotic music first attracted attention in the film Squatsi in 1983 and The Thin Blue Line in 1988. Philip Glass has had a long and successful career in the classical music world. Now, although Glass's work in Hollywood has been somewhat limited in its outskirts, Output. It's certainly not limited in its influence. His distinctive techniques of minimalism uh, can now be heard in many Hollywood films. Glass's most high-profile score was for the 2002 film The Hours, starring Nicole Kidman, Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore. Here is a little snippet uh, by, some, uh, by Philip Glass from The Hours. You're on 94.9. Joy 94.9. You're on the Kiss My Arts show with Amy on Joy 94.9. The time is nearly a quarter to ten. We're talking about film music tonight. If you'd like to join in the conversation or you've got an opinion, text in on 0427JOY949. With well over 100 major feature films to his credit to date, John Williams may well be the most recognisable film composer in the Western world. Largely responsible for the revival of the symphonic film score And as we've just discovered, during the 1960s, 70s We uh, we had the influence of rock and jazz And even a little bit of experimental music Uh, And he was also um, at the forefront of adapting the film orchestra To the modern recording studio More importantly, John Williams has raised the visibility of the film score in an era when much of the music heard at the movies was almost immediately forgotten, John Williams's music has entered our subconscious and popular consciousness. Just think of the shark motif from Jaws, or the theme from Star Wars, or even the five-note melody through which aliens and earthlings communicate in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. His film music spans from the early 70s right up to today. He has written music for Harry Potter, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman, E.T., Home Alone, JFK, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, Memoirs of a Geisha, Jurassic Park, and that's just naming a few. One of the scores John Williams was made famous for in the 1970s was that of Jaws. Let's take a listen to the two notes that scared the crap out of everybody for years in the 70s. This is the theme from Jaws
1: Joy 94.9.
0: That's, the, of course, the theme tune from Jaws by John Williams. Now, I bet if you were listening to the radio in the bath, you got out of the bath pretty quick because those two notes have scared the pants off people for years. So, amazing stuff. The first widespread use of synthesised sounds in films occurred in the 1980s and film scoring once again underwent a major revolution. For the first time, it became possible to score an entire film with only one performer, using the synthesiser to produce the sounds of many instruments. This technological development, which was also echoed in the general music world, caused popular songs to become the basis for entire film scores. Today, with the daily development of new technology and the general knowledge gained from a century of experience, experiences. Film composers can create just about anything for their film scores. Composers like Hans Zimmer have taken this kind of composing on board. Zimmer started out composing using synthesizers in the 1980s and has progressed to become one of the biggest names in film composition today. His score to the 2010 film Inception uses a combination of real instruments and electronic music. And this is something that is starting to occur more and more in film music these days and even in popular music too. So let's take a listen to some of the music composed by Hans Zimmer for the film Inception. You're on Joy 94.9.
1: Joy 94.9.
0: That was Hans Zimmer and his music from the 2010 film Inception, using a combination of real instruments and electronic influences as well. James Horner started composing for films in the late 70s and hasn't stopped since, scoring over 100 films. He has frequently collaborated with acclaimed directors such as James Cameron and Ron Howard. He is noted for the integration of choral music and electronic elements in many of his film scores and for frequent use of Celtic musical instruments. His score to the 1997 film Titanic remains the best-selling orchestral film soundtrack of all time. He's worked on films such as Commando, Braveheart, Apollo 13, Star Trek II, Cocoon, Glory, The Mask of Zorro, Casper, Troy, Mighty Joe Young, The Perfect Storm... Avatar, and more recently, The Amazing Spider-Man. He also composed the music to A Beautiful Mind, which just happens to be amongst one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. So I couldn't pass up sharing this music with you. This is a snippet of James Horner's film score from the film A Beautiful Mind. You're on Joy. Joy ninety four
1: point nine.
0: Today the role of the film composer and the musician in general is far more blurred. We have rock stars writing music for film and we have film composers who tour the world as rock stars so there is a definite crossover and less definition of what a traditional film composer is. One example of this is Radiohead's guitarist Johnny Greenwood who wrote the music for the film There Will Be Blood. But he didn't bring his band with him, using instead more traditional string instruments for the score. Even though the film score uses more traditional orchestral instruments, I think you can still hear his rock music influence in the driving rhythms and percussive sound effects. In the track you're about to hear, the percussive effect is actually created by turning the bow of the violin around and striking the strings of the instrument with the wooden part of the bow as opposed to the part that has the hairs on it. And this is a technique called Colegno. This is Radiohead's guitarist, Johnny Greenwood, composing for the 2007 film There Will Be Blood. You're on Joy.
1: Joy 94.9
0: You're on the Kiss My Arts show with Amy on Joy 94.9. It's nearly 10 o'clock. Tonight on Kiss My Arts, we've been talking about film music and we've been pretty much uh, spending a lot of time in Hollywood. But closer to home, we've just had the 2012 Screen Music Awards held right here in Melbourne. We may not produce the big budget Hollywood style films here, but we have an incredible amount of talent when it comes to filmmaking and film composers. One composer that stands out amongst the crowd and who took home a string of awards from the recent APRA Screen Music Awards is Sydney cider Anthony Partos. Partos had to give three acceptance speeches at this year's Screen Music Awards. He picked up two for Best Television Theme for The Slap and one for Best Soundtrack Album. He also won Best Music for the miniseries *Marbo*. Anthony Partos is one of Australia's most awarded film composers. His passion lies in creating innovative scores that morph acoustic instruments with an eclectic mix of electronic elements. His feature film credits include the Sundance Festival-winning film Animal Kingdom, starring Guy Pearce. He's also written music for The Home Song Stories, Disgrace, starring John Malkovich, Unfinished Sky and Accidents Happen, starring uh, Oscar winner Gina Davis. His passion for creating evocative scores for TV drama include the highly awarded series The Slap, Mabo, Rake and the ABC production Crownies. His most recent projects include Australia's first Indigenous drama series, Red Fern Now, which is currently airing, as well as the critically acclaimed telemovie, Devil's Dust. If you're keen to find out more about Anthony Partos, head to sonarmusic.com.au. So, there you have it, the history of film music condensed into an hour. Hope you've enjoyed being swept away into the wonderful world of film music on Kiss My Arts tonight. Next week, we have Melbourne band Return to Youth joining us live in the studio. So make sure you tune in for that as it's set to be a ripper of a show. Up next is Bella with Indie Loop. But before we uh, hand over the baton to Indie Loop, I'm going to leave you with some music from our very own award-winning Aussie composer, Anthony Partos. This is some of his music from the TV series Rake. And as you know, or may know, if you watched the the uh, the TV show, uh, Rake is about cleaver. Uh, And this is called the Cleaver Clomp, and this is from Rake. Now Enjoy. This Joycast is a free service. Brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au.
1: Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast. Brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community
0: media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air